0: That's in the Bible, episode 23, how to understand the Bible.
1: Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear,
2: now is at stake. Humbling your hearts
1: to God, sage from the chastening rod, seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away.
0: Hello and welcome back to That's In The Bible. Glad you could join us today. My name's Eric. And on Skype, we have, uh, let's see, three of us, four of us counting myself. We've got Pastor Strobel in beautiful western New York. How are you today, Pastor Strobel? Doing fine. We've also got Matt up there in the Syracuse area. How you guys doing? And uh, we, you can get a little closer to your mic, Matt. I don't hear anything so far, so you're, you're good to go. We've also got Steve over there in uh, western New York as well. Steve, how are you?
1: Hey, man, I'm doing fine.
0: All right. Well, glad, to, glad everybody could make it tonight. We uh, haven't been on in a while again. I know it's taken a while, but I think several of us have been ill. I wound up in the emergency room one night, and Steve, you haven't been feeling so great either, have you?
1: You know, rough year this year.
0: It might be because we're getting older. <laughs> uh, once we start talking about illnesses and how rough it's been,
1: I think. Well, what's that's Matt's excuse. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I have no excuse. I was sitting here
2: waiting on the computer and you guys just never showed up the last couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the young one of the group, huh? I'm the healthy one. Oh wow. <laughs> We'll pass we the. still struggle. have a basketball game
2: to play, uh, Steve. <laughs> uh, I'm ready anytime. I'll, I'll I'll pick a weekend when you're sick.
0: Okay. <laughs> what is that a? Uh, is that a challenge? That's about
2: challenge. the
1: only way he's going to win.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I felt bad because we beat him pretty bad at you know frisbee. But well, what do you bad. mean? <laughs> you <beat?
0: laughs> I'm just kidding. What are you talking about, boy? With The can jam? Is that what you're? You bring what up? happens to
1: all liars? Don't you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Steve says, yeah, come over and play Can Jam just so happens a tornado was going through the neighborhood at the time yeah. <laughs> Is it always this windy, Steve? I don't know, we have people over and the wind just <laughs> picks up uh, uh, So what else is new? Pastor oh. Strobel, how are, things, how are things
3: with you? Things are going well I, I, I guess I'll talk more later <laughs> And a few <laughs> I'm words just, I'm saving it <laughs> Storing it up He doesn't want to get
0: in the fray. He doesn't want to get caught in this. Although he wasn't like that a few minutes ago before we started recording. (laughs) Well, Well, you'll notice that Mike isn't here today.
2: Yeah, he's not.
0: Mike, our fellow that we uh, spent quite a bit of time with last time, and uh, that was episode 22, A Man Questions the Act of Salvation. And he's also a Yankees fan, which the other guys here aren't holding against him apparently but i asked uh part of the condition for mike to return was that he would in fact attend church a couple of times and he in fact has attended no times mm. and uh and I, and i told mike we were going to i was going to mention this because um we kind of left it that way from last time and he said well just you know do it humorously but try and try and do it honestly and i say i will but uh, What he had said to me was that his wife doesn't like Baptists, views them as weird, extreme, out there. And as a result, she said she would not be attending a church with the Baptist name on the church. So, um, that's the kind of way we left it for a little while, but I talked to him again today and talked to him a little bit about what we were doing on the show and uh, he was saying something about when do you want me on again, and I said as soon as you attend church. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he and I said, but you can't do that because your wife won't let you. And he said, oh wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not exactly the way the way the way it is. Uh, he said, I, I probably could come myself. We just couldn't come as a family. And I said, has she listened to the show? And he said, no. I said, well, maybe if she listened to it, it would it would uh, help some to see that we're.
1: I don't know. Normal. Not, yeah, not, not as extreme. We don't, we don't
3: eat our children or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well,
3: there's, there's a lot of people that uh, start out like that just because they don't know any different. And um, God can still change that. The Lord can change your heart. Amen. Amen. Uh, and
0: and um, he said, you know, you got to understand where she's coming from. She's coming from really kind of no background or anything is like that at all. And, and I said, okay, you know, we can take it in small steps, but at least let her listen to the show. And uh, you know, I, again, I, I'll invite you out again. He says, yeah, I didn't say I wasn't coming.
3: So, you might want to give him some advice about which show she should listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Are
0: you saying not the last one? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. That could be okay. Did you have a, a lot to choose from? Did you have a favorite pastor stroll? I don't know. There was one about wings.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the <laughs> angels and wings or something. Uh,
2: it's one of the favorites. And I don't know who did that one, but I don't know. Uh, I hear it's going to be 500 downloads. But that's, <laughs> that's
0: pretty good. Yeah. Going on 600 almost now.
2: Wow. Don't tell Steve that. What? Steve will get a complex.
1: Uh, already have one.
0: <laughs> I think the, the show with the lowest amount of hits is still the potpourri one. Really? Yeah. I, I yeah. think people don't know what that word means. Yeah, potpourri. What is that? Sounds, we rename it? Sounds like a soup or something, you know. Yeah. And uh, somebody asked me today. Actually, Mike asked me at at uh, work. What about Halloween? Is that okay? <laughs> Why don't you do a show on Halloween? Since we're uh, soon approaching that. Uh, well, maybe we can do
2: it next week. I mean, it'll be past Halloween, but at least it'll still be close. Yeah. Okay, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) Get the crickets out again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those, well, we'll see.
2: Well, I had something good, uh, actually come about this, uh, last weekend. I've been talking about it for a few weeks now and there's, uh, you know, a bunch of young guys at my church, probably about four of us, uh, that are about my age and, uh, and, you know, I've been talking about, you know, it'd be great to have fellowship sometime and have some Bible study and some prayer. And, and uh, so I actually got that started this uh, last Sunday. And uh, what we do is we have sur- we have uh, we come over to my house after service and uh, we have some pizza, some wings, and uh, we play a couple board games. We play Stratego. I don't know if anybody knows that game. But but uh, then about after an hour that we did that, we just uh, had a Bible study. Uh, there was three other guys here and... uh and it was great. Uh, the first thing I went over was body, soul, and spirit with them. And uh, Steve, I have to say, you think that the uh, angels have wings was a long, uh, <laughs> a long study that I did. This one was four hours.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. and, you, you did uh, all this after church? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. After was it the, the night service? service? What's that?
3: After the night service?
2: No, after the morning service. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, and right. then and then it it got to the point where like I have no like. Uh, clocks in my house, <laughs> so nobody knew what time it was. It was six o'clock. Sounds like a six. cult. Yeah, it was six o'clock. <laughs> it was six o'clock by the time we looked at the, our, our phones, and uh, J- Johnny had to be. He
0: we have no clocks, no windows. What's going on? <laughs>
2: he, he's the only one that plays piano right now because our uh, pianist broke her hand, and uh, so he had to be there a half hour earlier at the church, so he was a half hour late. Uh, for the choir. And, uh, oh, no. so it was great though. I mean, what a, how awesome was that though, that, I mean, these three guys, you know, you don't see very often, you know, young guys getting excited about the Bible and, uh, these guys were excited and, uh, you know, they came up to me, uh, yesterday at church last night and, uh, and they were like, we're getting together Sunday, right? We're getting together Sunday. <laughs> you know? and, and I said, yeah, you know, so, so praise the Lord. I mean, this, this, this definitely helps me out a lot. I was praying, to God for for a long time, you know. I heard Steve having some, that he has somebody that he disciples, and I, I was praying the Lord just to give me one person to disciple. You know, that's what I want to do, and uh, and the Lord's given me three people. You know, uh, my age, you know that that are coming over, and and uh, hopefully um, Tom will be going out street preaching with me tomorrow as well at the Syracuse football game with uh, Brother Dom and I, and uh, so just trying to, you know, just light some fire you know it's definitely lighting more fire under me so so it's just been a blessing and i praise god for it
1: right. our listeners will be glad to know that they got the short version of Matt's bible study <laughs> that's course. right <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: all right sounds good man and the, we happen to i happen to join these guys fun what was it last saturday matt yes yeah, was last saturday last saturday just to uh uh, pass out some tracks and do street preaching there at the Syracuse game and it's amazing how many people <laughs> funnel through that mm. that intersection it's just mm. just droves and droves thousands and thousands it's pretty Amen. it's pretty neat and of course several of them um, encouraged us to, <laughs> I'm sure they did <laughs> to keep going yeah
1: <laughs> Leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep going.
2: And the amazing thing is, too, is that you know, brother Dom, the other guy that I go out there with, he uh, he, we have run-ins with the police, you know, and and uh, and he says, "Listen, you know, you you, you want to take me off of here or arrest me? Look at these people over here that have open beer containers that are drunk walking up to the game, and uh, that's illegal, right there. You know, we have a right to be out here." but you're telling me that you're going to arrest, you know, or or take somebody uh, away from what they what they have a right to do uh while some other people over here, most of the people are up there drinking, you know, right out in the public. So, it's just pretty amazing where where things have come now, where where things are accepted and and other things aren't.
0: And it is still amazing to me the uh reaction from some people. Yeah. Uh, the just the uh you know, just the things that you scream out and yell and, and, uh, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't be amazed, but.
2: And I think, you know, if some people that don't go out and, uh, you know, witness and street preach or go door knocking, they, I don't think they see the whole full extent of it. And, uh, you know, especially when you street preach there, you're, you're, uh, you've raised, you know, you've rose your voice, you know, you raise your voice and, and a lot of times people think you're yelling at them, you know, and. And screaming at them, and uh, so that, you know, they get pretty heated back and things like that, and, and, uh, but it, I think when you go out there, you finally see what people really think about our Savior, you know, and, mm. and, uh, and it kind of open up, opens up your eyes that, hey, most of the world's lost, you know, and, right. it, and I think it really, you know, it burdens your heart more if you go out and street preach uh, to, to, to try and do more. Yeah
1: a lot of people think the kinder, gentler, gentler approach would, would do better, but you don't have people going out doing the kinder, gentler approach. They just don't do anything at all. So yeah. all they want to do is criticize somebody that's not really trying to do something.
0: I was talking to someone I work with, and she said, does that really do any good? And I said, well, it does me some good, I'll tell you that. It, you know, it tends to uh, humble yourself. You know, that certainly does. And, and I, I, I do think it does some good. I think it lets people know that there's still Christians in the world that aren't afraid and are ashamed to to um, proclaim the name of Jesus and talk and uh, and to, to be a witness. Amen. I can I Amen. can tell
1: you this that uh, when I was in the Navy before I trusted the Lord as my Savior, where I was out in San Diego. And uh, there in San Diego, they have a place that's kind of like a square where all the, the, the buses go around, and they, it's kind of a hub. And from there, they shoot out to all the different places of the city. And uh, one time I was in that hub, and I remember a gentleman standing there, an old man, had a cane in one hand uh, holding himself up and, uh, and a Bible in the other hand, and he was street preaching right to those people as they were coming through and waiting for the for the buses going from one bus to another. And I remember th- sitting on a bench thinking to myself, man, I could never do that. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, uh, you know, the Lord uh, saves me, and, and uh, I was out doing that very thing, uh, street preaching. Yes. And, and I've talked to others that in their past— uh, before they 've trusted the Lord as their Savior, one of the things that they remember is they remember a guy standing up and preaching on the street mm-hmm. so it may not do any good uh uh initially, but it 's always something that sticks in somebody 's brain mm-hmm. yeah. know, as the Lord begins to deal with them about their soul,
0: yeah, especially today because you don 't see too much of it you know no, there's no. a few there 's a few that still do, but I would say the vast majority don 't you guys street preach there in Western New York, Pastor Strobel? Yes. Yep.
3: He well, is, uh, go ahead. How long have you been doing that? Uh, for, oh, I'd say a good 20 years. Plus, okay. I, I, I started early when we got up here, but we didn't get anything regularly uh, going until a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. So we do it a little sporadically, and then um, we've been doing it consistently for uh, years and years. And so I know we've been, I've been up here for over 20 years. Amen. Time flies, <laughs> for the Lord.
0: And I know that uh, you guys have do it up um, by the kind of the major highway there. By the uh, uh, it's not the mall, but
3: the, the big shopping it's center. The intersection by the Tops uh, mm-hmm. supermarket, and um, we've been doing it there. We we did it at uh, the other intersection before the they kind of changed around the buildings mm-hmm. uh, where Tops used to be. We did it there, and then things kind of moved out as Walmart came in and Tops moved, and so we, we've been doing it there regularly. And then the last two years, in the summertime, they brought a concert series to uh, Lockport, and so on Friday nights during that, we've been going down there and, and doing it as well. Mm-hmm. And what
0: what's been your experience of street preaching?
3: Uh, well, you know what? It's, it, it's it's a big topic and there's I've had a lot of good experiences and I'm definitely uh, a proponent of it. Uh, it might even be a good thing to do a, a show about the public mm-hmm. ministry. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll just say this much for now. Uh, along the lines of what Steve was saying, it's a good opportunity to sow the seed. When the mm-hmm. sower went forth to sow it, some of it fell by the wayside, some of it on stony ground, etc. But some of it fell on good ground. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, before before a person can get born again, he's got to have the seed of the Word of God sown in his uh, mind and ultimately his heart, and that's a way to do it. So it, it also helps fill the gap. You know, the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mm-hmm. We also go door to door, but you can't get everybody at their door. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it helps to uh, reach some of the people that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach uh, with the mm-hmm. gospel.
1: Amen.
0: Alrighty, well, let's go ahead and move on to our quote of the day. And Steve, are you ready to, ready to do that? I am ready. All right, well, here we go with our quote of the day.
1: Well, what we have here today is is what uh, we would call in, in our Christian circles a Christian adage. And it reads like this, what you win them with is what you have to keep them with. And I guess let me just start out by saying, if you win them with the Bible, you can keep them with the Bible. If you use some other means to try to win people to Christ, then you're going to have to keep them with that same method. And uh, in the modern movement of Christianity, there's all kinds of things that are going around that uh, uh, they'll have a hard time keeping them with. So I'll let you guys comment after that. Well, I don't
2: know if you guys have heard this, but... uh my pastor here uh, was talking about this last night at church, and he said it's a new thing out now in Texas, a new church out there. I don't know the name of it. Uh, but what they've got now is an interactive church service where uh, they have people come lost, saved. Um, and you know, while the preacher is preaching, he's got a huge screen behind him. Uh, and I don't know a whole lot about this Twittering. Uh, they can Twitter on their cell phones and send messages to each other. But I guess what they do is it's an interactive messaging a screen up behind them, and they can talk about what the pastor is saying, and talk back and forth, and things like that. And uh, <laughs> wow. and I mean, on the yeah, screen, on, on the, the screen. screen. Oh yeah, on the screen, right While he's behind. preaching, while he's preaching, and uh, you know, the, the pastor said that they had some interviews, and people said, yeah, it's pretty difficult to, you know, you, if you're trying to listen to the message, the screen's right behind them, and it catches your eye every time it moves down when people write on it, and you know, I just think about here somebody is. That maybe is lost, and he comes to something like that, or she comes to something like that, and uh, <laughs> and and that's all they know. And you know, they come maybe for the first church service. They they may get saved. You know, hopefully they're given a gospel message at least. Um, and you know, that's what you win them to, and and they get used to that. And and I mean, you don't get any word of God that way. You, you know the. Uh, the devil's going to do every way he can to get that word of God out from, you know, out from your heart and out from your mind. And that's, I think that's the best way you can do it.
1: Man. That sounds to me like it's MTV uh, Christianity. Uh, yeah. What I mean by that is that, you know, that just the short little flashes of things and, and something happening all the time, uh, the ADHD <laughs> Christian that, that, Uh, you know, can't fix their attention on on one thing for a period of time. They always have to break for a commercial or have to do this or have to do that, have something going all the time. And, uh, you know, uh, there's no consistent thought. There's, you know, Pastor Stroh, I know you've preached and Matt, and and I'm sure Eric's probably preached before and others. You can't get a a thought transferred in, in a message in a matter of minutes. You just can't do it. I mean, it takes a while to develop, and you you move from one thing to the next to try to formulate that thought so it can be understood and uh, realize that you can't put it into practical action. and, And, you know, all of this stuff just going on, trying to get people so that they can't focus on anything. Everything's just so quick and rapid fire. It's just unbelievable.
0: Amen. All right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead, and unless anyone has anything else to to add to our quote of the day, go ahead.
1: Well, let me let me let me say this, Eric. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was going to give some other people an opportunity to say something, but you know, if you if you get a crowd by having contemporary music, you're going to have to keep them with contemporary music. Uh, if you, you know, my wife and I, during our vacation, uh, when we come back to this area, we like to. Uh, pay a visit to some other churches just to see what things are like. We visited a church, a large, uh, I guess you could say a mega church, Um, and when we walked through the halls, one of the things that we saw was uh, for the teen department, uh, what would be their lobby uh, for the teen uh, area, they had all kinds of video games all around the wall, you know, those stand-up stations, mm-hmm. you know, like you see in Kmart and right. stuff where the guys can try the games out before they buy it. Had all these stand-up stations or all these video games, different kinds, all the way around the room. They had uh, pool and, and uh, uh, just all kinds of, I think, what well, they call it, uh, um, foosball and, and all this other kind of stuff. And the kids were in there playing on that before the services started and uh then we walked back into where the area where they were supposed to learn where they were supposed to have their Sunday school and they had a stage set up with all kinds of lights big uh uh, uh board there a soundboard and all this kind of stuff and it looked like a play was going to go on and they had um barroom seats you know the high stools mm-hmm. with high tables all around for all, for their kids to sit at uh and then they gave them some sort of Sunday school now we didn't see what what it was that they gave them, but uh you know uh, what an atmosphere to to try to to get the the message from God from yeah. uh, and you have to you have to do that to keep them I mean if you introduce that and then try to give them straight Bible you know like like what we would teach here on uh, that's in the Bible uh, you not they're going to say, oh, I'm going to go back to where the show is. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not going to endure. The Bible says they're not going to endure sound doctrine. That's right. You have to couch it with some form of entertainment in order to keep their attention. And that's not how God devised it to be.
0: And and I wonder if they, you know, that, so they have that music, and then after a while that's not going to be enough. Right. I mean, no. What are they going to have to add? Yeah. Know, further down the road.
2: I saw a preaching uh, uh, video uh, just a little while ago. My uh, actually youth pastor here uh, gave it to me. It was a youth conference that they had uh, in two thousand seven, I believe it was. And one of his one of his messages was on uh, contemporary Christian music, and uh, he was going over how the churches are getting into that. And and uh, there was actually a quote by Jimi Hendrix, what in the seventies, whenever he was around, and uh, it went something around the lines of, you know, eventually all churches. Um, are just going to be big concerts. And I mean, that's back when most churches were conservative. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big revelation, <laughs> you know, that yeah. that uh, that he had. And, and really, you can see it. You can see him going that way. And, you know, I, one of the people that I work with, I remember, I, actually, she doesn't work there anymore, but she was one of the nurses that I worked with. Uh, she came up to me and she said, "You know, I, I went to your church for a while. You know, but the thing that I don't like is they put more emphasis on uh, the Word of God rather than uh, you know singing and and hearing a lot of music and all that kind of stuff. And you know, that's that's the, the exactly what uh, Steve was saying. I mean, that they don't like the Bible, they don't like as much of the sound doctrine and all that. They would they would rather just feel feel good with their flesh rather than you know get it from the inside get it in their soul and." and uh, just get that word, you know, ingrained in them, and then feel good from the inside out rather than just on the outside.
0: Amen. So the topic today is how to understand the Bible. And how many times have we heard, you know, I try to read it, I can't understand it, and got those these and those, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, I I would wonder what what the uh, percentages of Christians that have, Christians, I'm talking about, not lost folks that have actually read their Bible through from cover to cover. I bet you that it's not as uh, large as we might think. Yeah, that's uh-huh. right. But... So, Pastor Strobel will be bringing us that uh, today for our episode on how to understand the Bible. Pastor Strobel, are you set, ready to go? Yep, all ready. All right, here we go with Pastor Strobel in how to understand
3: the Bible. Amen. I think this is a very important topic. It's just as you said, Eric, a lot of times people are wondering uh, how, to, how can they make sense of it? They'll complain they can't make sense of it. We're going to deal with, with how to understand it, and as we deal with this subject, um, one of the things we're going to discover also is uh, the answer to a couple other questions folks have. One of the perplexing things people find out about uh, quote-unquote religion, one that they find about it, is uh, they, they try to figure out how come there's so many people that believe so many different things. How come this person's religious and they believe this thing, this other person's religious, they believe something else, and somebody down the road believes something else? Uh, Taking that a step further, a lot of people wonder, how come everybody that professes to be of the same religion wind up believing different doctrines? And so we're gonna we're gonna discuss how to believe the Bible and or how to understand the Bible. As we come through there, uh, we'll see what we can get the get the answers to some of these questions. Um, I don't know if you normally do this, but I tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to start out with uh, just a word of prayer. Amen. Father, I do ask your blessing upon our study tonight. Lord, we um, we need you, and we need you to uh, open our uh, eyes and open uh, the ears of those that hear. So please bless the time that we have together and uh, let your word run very swiftly into the hearts and the minds of all that hear that it may, might, might make a difference uh, for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to go through a number of different uh, points as to uh, how to understand it. And let me just say the first thing that a person needs to do if they want to understand the Bible uh, is believe it. Believe it. One of the great keys to making sense out of this book is uh, believing it. And what I mean by believing it, I'll, I'll illustrate it with uh, a verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, which says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, that's a mouthful of a verse, but uh, getting to some of the uh, heart of the the, uh, details in the verse, he said, first of all, that when they received the the scriptures, they didn't receive it as the word of men. A lot of people will say that. It's a very famous uh, quote that people throw out to kind of um, inoculate themselves against the uh, power of the scriptures, and that is, they'll say, well, the Bible was just written by men. Well, that's one sure way not to understand it, just to write it off as a book that was written by men. I'd like to also say that usually is a prejudiced way of looking at it, because a lot of times the people that say that are just saying it to avoid reading it for themselves. And uh, when the people here in Thessalonica received the word of God, they didn't receive it as the word of men, but the Bible says, as it is in truth, the word of God. And uh, that's how you need to receive it if you want to understand it. You need to understand that what you're dealing with is not somebody's opinion, not something that man has written, but something that God has inspired and given to us so that we could understand uh, what he's all about. It is the literal word of the true God uh, of heaven. And then as he closes the verse, he says, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Effectually. uh, E-F-F-E-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y. It will work with an effect for those that believe it. So believing the Bible will will help to activate it. It'll help it to come alive so that you can um, uh, get something out of it. This um, same principle also shows up in Hebrews chapter 4. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Two groups of people were hearing the scriptures. One group uh, believed it. They had faith in it, and it profited them. The other group uh, did not believe it. They didn't mix what they heard with faith, and so it had no profit to them. It becomes clear in the scriptures that it's important for us to believe that what we've got here uh, is the Word of God. Now somebody might say, well, uh, you're just acting on blind faith, you know, I mean, how do you know it is? Well, uh, you might first stop and just ask God if it is. I mean, when I first uh, started to deal with uh, with the issue of can this can the Bible be trusted? I, I asked the Lord about it. I began to pray. I figure the God that created the heaven and the earth and was big enough to do that is big enough to show me uh, where I can find his truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16 further proclaims about the scriptures that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the scripture's testimony of itself is that it is given by inspiration of God. What the Lord's intention was was to communicate to his people, to his creation, to mankind uh, through his word. And so God um, God has given us his word so that we can understand what he's all about. And uh, if a person wants to be able to understand it, they're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to come to the uh, conclusion that what you've got in the Bible uh, is indeed the word of God, not just the word of men. But the Word of God, if you'll believe that, it'll work in you with an effect. If you want to continue on uh, in complete skepticism, um, I'm not saying there's no hope, uh, because a lot of people start out skeptically and then begin to read the Bible for themselves and find out what it's all about. But uh, if you're going to continue on in skepticism, uh, it'll be like you're trying to read with a veil over your eyes. This is a spiritual book, and uh, the truths of it are spiritually discerned. And you're going to need uh, open eyes to be able to see what it's all about. Uh, the, Lord's, the Lord has given us his word, and uh, he intends for us to be able to uh, read read it and hear from it and learn from it. Now, in regard to um, believing the Bible as the scriptures and, uh, and other religions, let me just say this. That other religions also have their own sacred books that claim to be God's word or, or God's way for them. Uh, just a few of those, for example, uh, Islam has the Quran, which is their holy book. The Jews, uh, they have the Old Testament scriptures and also the Talmud, which uh, they look to for direction, but they reject the New Testament. The Catholics uh, believe the Bible, they say, but uh, their Bible also includes the Apocryphal books. The Apocryphal books are additional books that are added to the 66 books of the um, uh, Bible, and uh, interestingly enough, I took up uh, took and looked up the word apocryphal um, just on an current online dictionary last year, um, and uh, so on Merriam-Webster's online dictionary. This was August of 2008. It gave for the definition of apocryphal definition number one was this: of doubtful authenticity, spurious. And, of course, that's what um, these uh, books are, these extra books in the Roman Catholic scriptures. Uh, You take um, the Mormons, for example. Also, they have their own holy book. They believe the Book of Mormon to be of equal authority as the Bible. Uh, The truth of the matter is this. They believe it more than the Bible, the average Mormon, if not every Mormon. Joseph Smith, in the introduction to the Book of Mormon, said this. I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion, and a man would get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. So in the Mormon faith, uh, Joseph Smith, their founder, exalted the Book of Mormon above the Bible itself. Now just stop and think about this. All this to, to illustrate something. All these different religions have their own different sacred books, holy books, that claim either to be God's word or the prophet's word or God's way for them. These are different books that they believe. And, and these are just some of the sacred te- texts of other religions. But if you look at these different religious books, it's obvious that they all disagree in their religious doctrine. So consequently, it's no surprise that you wind up with so many different religions. They're all looking to different authorities. What we believe as our authority is uh, the Bible itself, the uh, Bible that has been preserved in the English language as the king james bible sixty six books, no Apocrypha, uh, no book of Mormon we're not looking for any other extra books to come we're not looking for another prophet to give us some additional revelation. Uh, we believe the bible and uh and, and so that's where we're getting our truth this whole this whole uh, show is That's in the Bible, because that's what we're interested in. We're interested not in what everybody else has to say, uh, but what does the Bible have to say? Belief is a key issue, so it starts with belief. Some people, um, uh, when they see all the different religions, and they hear everybody uh, saying different things when it comes to um, interpreting uh, the Bible, they get frustrated, they throw up their arms, and they're they're like saying, well, this is too hard, this is too much for me. You know, just as long as you're sincere, that's all that matters. Well, again, who, on whose authority do we have that? That's just the opinion of somebody that's frustrated because there's a lot of different people out there saying a lot of different things. The Bible makes it clear that um, it's not just a matter of uh, being sincere and believing whatever you want. It's important as to what we believe. Belief is the first key to, to salvation. Uh, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So uh, the first be- belief is, is the key And um, belief is the key to understanding the Bible as well, Uh, one of the great keys. Now, one last thing on this particular point, it's equally important for us to note that, again, among professing Christians, people that profess to believe the Bible, uh, not all of them wind up believing the same thing. Not only that, not all of them wind up believing the same Bible. As I mentioned before, what we're using and what we believe is the um, the authorized version of uh, 1611. It was first published in 1611. Uh, the King James Bible. Uh, that's not to be confused with what's out today called the New King James Bible or any other English Bible published after 1611. And because you have a lot of different Bibles, these Bibles also, if they're different because they contain different words, and these also will contradict in many significant places, uh, on doctrinal issues. And so if we have Christians that have been born again or professed to have been, but they're using different Bibles and, and, and those Bibles say different things in key areas, it's not surprising that they come up, uh, with different doctrines. Let me just give you one example, um, the amplified version, uh, which has been out for a number of years, in the in First uh, Thessalonians chapter two, verse sixteen. I'm just going to quote a part of it. I was just reading from First Thessalonians two thirteen. Let me first read this verse from the King James Bible, so you can see what uh, it's about. First Thessalonians two sixteen. It says, "Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles." Now it's speaking of the Jews, how they were forbidding them to speak to the Gentiles, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always. For the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. That's the King James reading. The Amplified says this, But God's wrath has come upon them at last, completely and forever. And in so doing, what it does is it winds up teaching that God is all done with Israel. It says his wrath has come upon them completely and forever. And so there are those that will embrace this as a doctrine that God is finished with Israel and, um, all of the promises of Israel now go to the church. And while, while we may get in on the spiritual benefits of, uh, Israel right now, um, it is, it is equally clear from your Bible that God's not all done with Israel. And in Romans 11, 26, it says, so then all Israel shall be saved. And if you'd like to see further about it, you can check out second Corinthians chapter three and verse 16, which talks about when, uh, it'll turn to the Lord. It shall turn to the Lord that, um, the veil is going to be taken away. So those are some of the reasons why, uh, folks wind up believing different things. You have different religions. You have people within, uh, the same general faction of, uh, of religion or, or Christianity in general that will wind up believing different things. They have different authorities, uh, different holy books or different versions of the Bible. And not all people just believe in, um, the Bible or their holy book as their final authority. Some look to other things, and so they have uh, they have different authorities, and they wind up with a diversity of beliefs. But very simply, if you would like to to understand the Bible, uh, you you ought to believe it. You need to believe it. A second thing, and uh, this is this is key as well. And by the way, this this second point will help you to do the first point. But the the second thing I want to say that you're going to need if you want to understand the Bible is uh, you must be born again. You need to be saved in order to understand the Bible properly. An individual has got to be saved prior to salvation. um, All you have is simply what we would call the natural man. The Bible calls the natural man or the old nature. I believe there was a show done on the the two natures, uh, a very important topic to understand for the Christian. When a person gets saved, uh, his old nature is not immediately eradicated. Uh, Some teach that it is, and uh, all I could say is, uh, would to God that it were true. (laughs) But it's not true. It will be eradicated one day, but that'll be at the rapture. Prior to that, you now being saved— Still have the old nature, but you gain a new nature. The new nature that comes is capable of making sense out of the scriptures. The old nature uh, tends to fumble over those scriptures. The old nature can understand words and knowledge and and can make enough sense out of the Bible to know what to do to be saved. When it comes to... um, understanding good doctrine and and the Bible coming alive to an individual, it will not come alive until that individual gets saved. I had a a, a bit of Bible knowledge. I had grown up in the Roman Catholic Church, learned some Bible stories and some general uh, scriptural teachings, but it was very fuzzy uh, what these things were about. Um, When I got saved, all of those stories came back into my mind like pieces of a puzzle and, and began to take shape and make sense. It was salvation, the Holy Spirit entering into me, the spirit of truth, uh, me being born again, getting this new nature that helped me to make a lot more sense out of the scriptures. It became alive. Uh, it became clear. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 14, it says, But the natural man, there's your old nature, that's the nature a person has before he gets saved. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It tells you that the natural man, as he tries to receive the things of the Spirit of God, will find them to be foolishness, and that he won't be able to know them because they are spiritually discerned. What a man needs in order to understand the Bible is he needs the Holy Spirit. The verse prior to this said, in 1 Corinthians 2.13, which things also we speak, not not in the words which man's wisdom speaketh, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's how the Spirit of God works. He'll take spiritual things and compare them with spiritual. The Holy Spirit is indeed, as the third member of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. He is a spirit. And what he does is he communicates the truth of the word of God to our spirits. Prior to salvation, a man's spirit uh, is dead. That's probably something you cover in the body, soul, and spirit uh, study. A man's spirit is dead. And when he gets saved, uh, that spirit is quickened. It's made alive. It is born again. And once that spirit comes alive, now God has something that he communi- can communicate with. Uh, when we try to, to talk about some of the great truth of the Bible to somebody that's not saved, they, they stare at us like the proverbial calf staring at a new gate. Or look at us like the proverbial tree full of owls. Sometimes they just can't make sense of it. One, what goes a long way to helping somebody make sense of the scriptures is getting saved. In Revelation chapter 5 um, and verses 1 through 5, which you can look at sometime on your own, you'll find a book that is sealed with seven seals. And uh, as that book was there, uh, John uh, wept much because there was nobody found that could open the book. To just get to the gist of the matter, finally, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, prevailed above everybody else to open up that book. And he was the only one that was able to open it up. He could open up the seven seals. And uh, by way of illustration, that is a tremendous picture of uh, how we get the Bible opened up to us. Our book is like that seven-sealed book, our Bible is. And uh, as the Lord Jesus Christ enters into the believer, he can now open up the book, take the seals off of the book, so that we can make sense of what we're reading and we can understand it. In order to understand the Bible, you need to have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And when unsaved men handle the Word of God, they uh, cannot properly interpret it. And so if you have an unsaved, uh, minister and and let's just face it, uh, not every minister has been born again, not every preacher, not every bishop, not every priest, um, not every minister has been, been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of unsaved people that are up there, uh, speaking for God. And when unsaved men handle the word of God, they cannot properly interpret it. And so what they wind up doing is proliferating a lot of false teaching uh, and heresy, which is another reason why two people that profess the same religion outwardly might come up with different interpretations uh, of the Bible. One of them may be uh, unsaved. And so his slant on what the Bible means is going to be different than the slant uh, of a, a born-again uh, individual. All right, let me give you a third thing. In regard to being able to understand the scriptures, uh, it is also important that you be willing to do God's will. Let me read you from John chapter 7 uh, because, uh, like the rest of these points, I didn't make these things up on my own. Um, this is what I discovered just from, from reading and studying the Bible. In John 7, verse 17, Jesus Christ said, Let me start with verse 16. He said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself, Jesus instructed the people that uh, his doctrine was God's doctrine, and the person that would be willing to do God's will, that's the person that would know of the doctrine. That would be the person that would know if Jesus' doctrine truly was of God, or if he's just making it all up himself. What was the key in that verse? The key was, if any man will do his will, It was an individual needed to be willing to do the will of God. And if an individual was, then um, the Bible says that he would know of the doctrine. So you find that uh, being able to understand the Bible is a matter of um, the heart being right with God. Getting your doctrine right is a matter of your heart being right with God. The truth of the matter is some people approach the Bible with a heart that is unwilling to follow the Lord. And when they do that, they undermine their ability to understand the scriptures. I'm going to read you from Isaiah chapter 29, beginning in verse number 10. It says, For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, like that seven-sealed book in Revelation. And the, and the vision of all has become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. You take the Bible and uh, hand it to an educated man, expecting he'll be able to make sense of it, and, and he'll say, I can't understand this, uh, a lot of times. Verse 13 says, um, Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, And with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Here their lips honored the Lord, but their hearts were far from him. They may have gone to church, but they weren't willing to do what God wanted them to do from the scriptures, and because of that, there was, a again, a blindness about them. They, they were not able to see and understand uh, what the Bible meant because uh, they weren't willing to do His will. When you stop and think about it, if God shows you something from the Bible that you're supposed to do or not or, or not supposed to do, sometimes there's the thou shalt not in the scriptures, and sometimes there's uh, essentially thou shalt, some things you ought to do, some things you shouldn't do. But whatever he shows you, if you're not willing to abide by it, you just stop and think about it logically. Why should he show you anything else? If you won't obey what he's already shown you, why should he give you additional uh, light and Revelation? Jesus said in John 12:35, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. And so while God gives you light, you ought to be obedient to that light. And if you don't uh, obey what he's shown you, don't expect him to show you a whole lot more. All right, uh, let me give you another very important key to understanding the scriptures, and that is uh, number four, be holy. Holiness is not just an Old Testament doctrine, it's a New Testament doctrine. In the New Testament, uh, it quotes the Old Testament, saying, uh, be holy, for I am holy. In Second Corinthians 7, 1, it says, having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. When we are dealing with the Bible, it is often called the Holy Bible. The Bible itself speaks of itself as the Holy Scriptures in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 15. This book cannot be approached or understood like any normal book. This is unlike any, any other book you've ever approached. If you want to get uh, uh, light and understanding of the Scriptures, you need to remember they are Holy Scriptures, and you need to have some holiness in your life. Job said in Job 28 verse 28 the the book of Job says to depart from evil is understanding sin in the life of a person will cloud his ability to understand the scriptures if if he's got sin sin is like dirt uh, on a window that blocks his ability to be able to see through to the other side and if you will if you want to if you're on one side of the window And you want to see through to the other side. And, of course, the Bible says now we see through a glass darkly. Here we are down here trying to make sense out of heaven. Well, as we try to look through that glass, if you could just see it as a a dirty window and you want to make sense, the best way for you to see through it is to begin to wash that window, to clean the dirt away. The more dirt you clean from the window, the easier it is for you to see what's there uh, on the other side of that window. And uh, and sin uh, is that dirt. It's that filth. You get, uh, get rid of the sin, you get rid of the dirt, you get rid of the filthiness, and it'll open up your understanding. Uh, sins, uh, sins like pride will keep you from being able to understand the Bible. Envy, jealousy, bitterness, as well as the uh, fleshly sins as adultery, fornication, drunkenness, uncleanness, etc. And uh, if you're going to want to make sense of this book, realize that our God is a holy God and he's given us his holy word and you need to have some holiness uh, in your life. Uh, if a person is saved, but they're walking after the flesh instead of the Spirit, then they could have the same trouble understanding the Bible as an unsaved fella, Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And how many Christians are out there not walking in the Spirit, but walking in, as it says in Romans chapter 8, after the flesh? And as you walk after that flesh and try to make sense of the Bible, for some of you, it's no wonder it's boring to you. It's no wonder it looks like just a bunch of dull words, a bunch of black words on a white page and, you know, no no comic illustrations to keep your interest. It's no wonder it's like that. You know, a, the problem is you need to get walking in the spirit. You need to wage war on the sins in your life. I want to read you a very revealing passage of scripture, a couple things in regard to this. Titus chapter 3 is going to speak to the subject of, of heresy, and we, we use the word heresy, we're talking about false doctrine, uh, teaching about the Bible that's not true, that's what heresy is, or teaching about God, things, uh, things that are taught about God that are not true, those are heresies. A heretic is one that believes uh, heresy. And in Titus chapter 3, in verse number 10, it says, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject." Now, there's a reason he talks about two admonitions, because those two admonitions are going to come on um, two different levels. And that's revealed uh, in verse 11. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that such is subverted. Number one, he is subverted. The first admonition that we give a heretic is we, we try to tell him the truth. We try to straighten him out on his doctrine by showing him what the bible actually has to say about the subject and as we do that uh... we're trying to we're trying to clear up the uh... foggy ideas he's got in his mind well when a person still embraces their heresy the bible says that the problem is they're subverted that is that they're deceived either by by false teaching or by their own conclusions they have been deceived if shown the truth, they still reject it, then they are, they are deceived, they're subverted. The second admonition is going to come along a different lines. He says in verse 11, knowing that he that is such is subverted, the second thing he says, and sinneth. The two admonitions, uh, I believe, will match up with those two things. Number one, you want to try to straighten out their doctrine with good teaching. Number two, if, you, if they still won't be straightened out, then you know the problem is not mental, it's not intellectual, it's spiritual. And their problem is sin. Their problem is they, they they don't want to get right with God. There's a place in their heart where they're not willing to do what God wants them to do. There's sins they won't they won't let go of. And those sins that they'd rather cling, cling to than cling to God will keep them from making sense out of the Bible. Following that up, I noticed in Galatians chapter five where you'll find uh, the fruit of the spirit. First, you'll find a list of the works of the flesh, and going through that list and thinking about these things, I picked up on something. And let me read you uh, the list in part. It says, "Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness." So so far, this is a list you don't want to be in. Amen. There's some lists in the Bibles you don't want to be in. There's one of them. Idolatry, witchcraft. These are all what the Bible calls works of the flesh. These are works that are spawned by your old nature, your fleshly nature, your old man, we call it. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. It was a revelation to me when I discovered that heresy was a work of the flesh. It is a, it's a, it's something that people come up with a lot of times because they're not right with God. Some of the greatest false teachings in the world come because people don't want to be obedient to the scriptures. Just the idea of, of, um, of Calvinism where, which says that man, everybody is, is unconditionally elected either to heaven, uh, or they're predestined to hell. Uh, that teaching in itself is a very convenient teaching for somebody that doesn't want to witness Figure why bother witnessing? It's already already been determined, and and the idea of there not being a hell. Well, that's a pretty convenient teaching um, from somebody that uh, a either doesn't want to witness or b is unsaved and headed there. Uh, when a person isn't right with God about um, uh, drinking liquor, then uh, they can go to the Bible, and and uh, and their interpretation will be, well, it's okay to drink liquor. And they'll twist and pervert the these, uh, scriptures to be able to, to back up what they say. But listen, the Bible says that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. The holy men of God spake as they are moved by the Holy Ghost. There is a proper interpretation to scriptures, and the world is filled with private interpretations. Somebody says, well, you got all this going on, and everybody's saying all these different things. How do I know what's true? Well, we're trying to tell you how to know what's true. You need to believe what you're reading. You need to be uh, born again. You need to be willing to do God's will. You need to be holy. And then uh, number five, you ought to pray for God to show you what's true. You ought to pray for wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting, get understanding. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, James said, if any of you lack wisdom, am I talking to anybody out there today that you lack wisdom? Maybe you've said, I wish I could understand the Bible. I can't make any sense out of it. Or maybe you've heard somebody else that, that uh, seems to understand the Bible, and you said, boy, I understand some things about the Bible, but I sure wish I could understand it like him. Well, if you lack wisdom, here's what to do. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God says you can ask him for wisdom, and he'll give it to you. But he does say this in verse 6 that uh, let him ask in faith, nothing <laughs> wavering, for let, not, for let not him that waver thinks so he to receive anything of the Lord. You need, to be, you need to have faith that if you're going to ask the Lord, he's going to give it to you. You believe him. You believe that God's interested in showing you the truth. You take the, the Bible uh, as a book in itself. It is, as we've said before, not man's book, not written by men, but it is God's book. The author is God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. If God is the author... What better way to understand the book than to ask the one who wrote it what it's all about? If you wanted to make sense out of a book on this earth that you couldn't make sense of, and you had the chance to meet the author, what would you want to ask him? You'd want to ask him, what did you mean by this thing that you said in in that book? And so it is with God. We get to know him first in salvation and we can get to know him better after salvation uh, by spending time with him, by talking to him, and uh, letting him talk to us through his word. So don't ever underestimate the importance of asking God to show you what's, what's right in the scriptures. What's, when I say what's right in the scriptures, what's right about what people teach about the scriptures. Don't, don't ever be shy to ask him, what does this mean? You ask him. God's waiting for people that will ask him to, to teach uh, them his book he's certainly able to give us light on the scriptures. So I guess it would just be wise to ask him for it. In Psalm 119 verse 18, there's a prayer that you might want to learn to pray from your heart to God. The Psalmist said, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I learned that prayer early on in my Christian life and began to pray it before reading the Bible. And, um, I will still times t- today, I'll, I'll pray it before reading, or even as I'm reading, I will come across something that doesn't make sense to me. I can't, I can't seem to get enough light on it, and I'll, I'll ask the Lord to open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of his law. Now, I'm not saying that he automatically always does it immediately, but uh, I know that he is, um, uh, through time and through uh, uh, being patient, He's shown me a lot more than I, I, I knew, certainly, at the beginning. And uh, he's answered those prayers. And uh, I'm nothing special. That's why he says, if any of you lack wisdom, so you can find it out yourself as well. All right. One last thing let me give you. And when it comes to understanding the Bible, if you want to understand the Bible, you need to, number six, study the scriptures. Second Timothy 2.15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, this verse indicates that uh, study is work. In fact, I think it's over in Ecclesiastes where it says, "Much study is weariness of the flesh." Some people don't understand the Bible because they're just simply too lazy to study it. They want somebody else to teach them all about it, or they want to they want to pick up a book where somebody else has done all the work for them. Well, don't be surprised that you, you can't get a whole lot out of it yourself. You want to understand that book, you need to be willing to put forth the time and the effort in it that that it requires in order to understand it. Now, people will do this for things that are important to them. They'll spend years in college studying so that they can make a living. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if you want to be able to understand the Bible like you understand your profession, you're going to have to put in some time. And uh, you may not get it all in one year. Matter of fact, I can guarantee you, you won't. But you'll get a lot of it. And you'll get enough to satisfy it for a while. But uh, you keep on studying this book. Study to show thyself approved unto God. It says a workman. So again, that indicates work. Uh, studying is going to take hard work, but it's work that's uh, very rewarding and well worth it. <clears throat> when studying the Bible... Uh, we compare scriptures with scriptures. Uh, I, I give you a, a point, for example, in this study, and then I'll give you a quote. Some scriptures. We'll go. We'll go in the New Testament, then we'll go in the Old Testament. We'll cover the Psalms, or maybe Proverbs. Uh, we'll, we'll get into Paul's epistles, or maybe the Gospels. And we're we're going from here to there. We're using. We're running what we call cross references. If you have a study Bible, you might have in that Bible a, a center column which has different references um, that that are associated with different verses. A verse might have a little letter, and then you find that letter in the center column, and then you'll see some references there. These are cross-references. That is, you compare Scripture with Scripture, you will find that one Scripture will give more light to another. The Scriptures help to uh, interpret themselves. Um, you may have these cross-references even at the end of a verse or on the side side a uh, column of a study bible or even at the bottom of the page but uh, these are good things to use it's good to just compare these scriptures uh with scriptures uh the bible again helps to shed light on itself and, and this mode of bible study is actually uh referenced in the book of uh, Isaiah where in Isaiah chapter 28 uh we'll read we were in 29 before reading and I'm going to take you the chapter right before that and it says in verse number uh 9 Isaiah 28.9, whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? That's what we're talking about today, understanding the Bible. How do you get right doctrine? Who's he going to teach it to? It says, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast... When we first get saved, the Bible says, as newborn babes desire them sincere milk the word, that we may grow thereby. So we've got to desire it, we've got to get into it, and then ultimately we're going to have to even grow to, to get into the meat of the word of God. But he says, who's going to be able to understand it? All right, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. What we're doing is we're, we're showing you a little bit here in one part of the Scripture, a little bit more in another part of the Scripture. We're taking line upon line. We're taking precept upon precept. We're looking at here a little, and we're looking at there a little. And that's the uh, the mode of, uh, of Bible study that he's uh, outlining for you uh, in that verse. So... We're going to need to study this Bible. Second 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about the Bible having proper divisions, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're going to have to understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have to understand the, the, how God deals with different people different ways at different times. In the Old Testament, they had to bring a sacrifice for their sins. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ has offered one sacrifice for sins forever. You're going to have to rightly divide the word of truth. You're going to have to understand the difference between the church age and the tribulation, Uh, the difference between the rapture and the second advent. And uh, that takes rightly dividing, which you do as you study the scriptures, and you begin to see where the things go in their proper order. See, God God expects you to do some work. The Bible is not laid out like a systematic theology book. You have got to study. You've got to work at it. And uh, quite frankly, if you're not interested in doing that, then just don't expect to study it. Or don't don't expect to understand it. Uh, you're going to have to study it to understand it, and it takes some work, but it, but it's uh, worth it. And, it. and in order to retain what you've learned, it's it's good to just get in the habit of going ahead and making some notes in your own Bible. You can write your own cross references in there. You can underline uh, places. You can highlight places. And uh, don't don't feel bad about it. I, I like uh, Jeremiah twenty three eighteen. It says, "For who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word?" Who hath marked his word and heard it? Of course, we understand that like uh, somebody says, mark my words. And certainly there's truth in that. But also, I think we can take it literally as I find that the people that get into the Bible most and make most sense of it will have their own Bible. that that They'll make their own by by underlining uh, verses, by writing cross-references, by highlighting and and even adding their own um, explanatory notes. So uh, get to know your Bible. Get in there and and read it. Study it. Let me give you three uh, things about uh, the three most important tools in Bible study. Uh, Number one, a King James Bible. Number two, an exhaustive concordance like Strong's Concordance, for example, um, and then number three, a good English dictionary, and you can get a, a, any good English dictionary will help you. Uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary is a very good dictionary uh, that also will actually even cite some Bible references from uh, the year 1828, but um, it's uh, it's a little expensive. But uh, just any dictionary get you just get you a, a good King James Bible, get you a, a good exhaustive concordance, and get you. A uh, a good dictionary, that'll go a long way in helping you to understand the scriptures and use those things. And one last uh, reference I'll give you, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. And uh, Acts chapter 17, in regards to the importance of you studying the Bible on your own, says this. In verse number 11, speaking of the people from Berea, the Bereans, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. We began with a group at Thessalonica who received the word, not as the word of, of um, uh, men, men, but as the word, as it was in truth, the word of God. But it seemed like they were content to stop there. The Bereans took it a step further and, and were commended uh, about that. And what they did was not only received it as the word of God, which they did, but they went and took what they were being taught And went home and searched the scriptures to find out if they were being taught the truth or not. And uh, anybody that's teaching the truth won't mind uh, their uh, doctrine and their their teachings uh, to be subjected to that scrutiny. Because it'll it'll if it's true it'll wash in the scriptures as somebody studies it. If not, we ought to we ought to desire to be corrected because um, the truth is more important than than our mistakes in teaching if we make them. So they receive the word with all readiness of mind; they're ready to hear it. But then they search the scriptures daily. And so as we we wrap this thing together, uh, and we're talking about now the last point: studying the scriptures. Um, part of studying is just regular daily Bible reading. I mean, uh, you ought to read that Bible every day. Don't just study select portions of the scriptures like the Jehovah's Witnesses do, for example. Read the entire Bible. And, and if you go to church where you just you study a few places in the scriptures and that's all you do, you make sure that you're reading your Bible from cover to cover. You ought to read every, every word in there from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. And then have patience. If you're reading that Bible and you're trying to study and make sense out of it and you don't really get it, don't try to take an, a pound, a square peg into a round hole and, and come out with some interpretation that's uh, that's false. No, you wait on the Lord. You keep studying. You keep reading. And um, you will. And while you're doing that, I guarantee you God will give you enough truth out of the Scriptures to um, keep you busy trying to obey it until you get to the place where you understand those other things that you can't make sense out of. So you you get a a lot of different reasons why folks don't understand the Bible and uh, a lot of things they can do in order to understand it. But you got people out there handling the Word of God impatiently, deceitfully, some with a heart that's not right, some with a heart of unbelief, some with pride, some are too lazy to study and some are too lazy to read it. And some are unwilling to be obedient to what they find out in there. Some won't pray. And because of that, you wind up with a bunch of people that have a bunch of different ideas about the scriptures. And so uh, don't toy with the truth. You be serious about it. You, you get serious about it, and remember the Lord's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So diligently seek out of the book of the Lord and read.
0: Thank you, Pastor Strobel. Uh, My man. It was excellent. As, just as a, as a question for listeners that maybe are going to now uh, get a King James Bible and, and start to read, do you, do you suggest that they start right in Genesis and read through? And, and if so, um, how much should, should they read at a, at a time?
3: What I personally would suggest, if they're, if they're a new Christian, uh, I think it would be more beneficial for them to start in the New Testament and work on reading that through. What I first did when I got saved was I, I began in the New Testament. I believe I was pro, was encouraged to um, read the Gospel of John, and I think that's where I started. But um, I, I know what I'd, I know. I did this. I, I would read a Gospel, and then I would go read some of the Epistles, and then I'd go back and I'd read another Gospel, and then I'd go read some more Epistles, and, and I'd work my way through the Gospels in the New Testament like that until I got into the um, uh, Book of Revelation. And I was really looking forward to reading Revelation, you know, because it's exciting prophecy. And I kind of use that as a motivational tool mm-hmm. to keep me reading through the other places. But uh, I'd suggest starting in the New Testament, and um, you know, read read as much as as you can, as much as you're you're able to uh, to read and digest. You don't have to read the whole thing in one night, um, but but be steady at it. Uh, a good a good pace at, at, in Bible reading in general is to. Figure out how much it would take for you to read uh, the Bible through in an entire year. You could find the number of pages in your Bible, divide it by three hundred sixty-five, and the average Bible it, it'll come out from anywhere to um, uh, you know three and a half to, to five pages or so, somewhere around in there. And then just uh, try to try to steadily read that that amount in there. When I first got saved, I I I think it was just I was I was hungry and uh, I'm not an ultra fast reader, but I did begin to get into that scriptures. And I devoured the New Testament about two weeks or so, which was pretty fast for me. Some people do it faster. But um, the, more, the most important thing is read.
2: And I remember, you know, when I first got saved uh, four years ago, and uh, I remember I used to always read it. I used to be in a job where I used to be on a, a plane every week. And uh, I remember reading that in my, you know, reading the Bible uh, on the plane, going back and forth. And I remember just uh you know, reading through the gospels and I used to be like, Man, I'll never get all this, you know, I'll never I'll never understand it all. I'm just I felt so lost. You know, I know I was saved, uh, but I just felt so lost, you know, and and uh, you know, exactly what you said, Pastor Strobel. I mean you have to have the right heart. Um, you know, you have to be right with God and uh and you just have to keep at it. You just gotta it's it's work, you know, it's weariness to the flesh, it really is. And and eventually, I mean it'll get to the point Uh, I love the the verse in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, where it's talking about, and I I believe Pastor Stobel went over this before, about, you know, when you sow some seed, some of it goes on stony ground, some on good ground. But here in verse 15, Jesus Christ says, but that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And I think that's the biggest thing that helped me out was, you know, uh, I had a sincere heart. I wanted to understand what God was, you know, left for me in this uh, perfect book, the King James Bible. And the last word there is, is patience. And I think that was really the thing that struck me is, you know, when I'm reading that book, yeah, I don't understand it all, but I had patience, you know, and, and, uh, uh, one preacher told me one time, you're not going to understand every single word in the Bible. Just keep reading until you get to something you do understand. Amen. And, uh, and, you know, no skipping, no going over, just, you know, <laughs> Uh, read through the Gospels all the way to Revelation, and then when you're ready, go from Genesis to Revelation. Keep reading the book that way. But uh, that's the biggest thing I think is, is of course prayer and all that. But but uh, you know if it gets hard and all that kind of stuff, just have
3: patience and keep reading. Amen. Amen. I'd just like to add that I think it's an important point that you said no skipping around or no skipping. Yeah. I mean, we may we may skip around in reading, but but we're not skipping things. We're not going to leave anything out because uh, Matthew four four says, "Man shall not live by bread alone." But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Right. And that's what happens when you have certain people that'll just just study different parts or that's all they do at the their um their church meetings or their Bible studies, but they don't read the whole thing. You you're missing it. You're missing something usually when you do that. Yeah. And I
0: think there you mentioned the book of Revelation, I know that uh it seems like the folks that uh the, what they want to read and try to understand right from the beginning is is Revelation. They they want to start there in their Bible reading, mm-hmm. and uh, I, that's probably a bit on the tougher side. <laughs> yep,
3: yep. You got to start start with the milk. <laughs> <That's> yeah, <it. laughs> work your way to that meat. <laughs> How about you, Steve?
1: Well, uh, you know, you, you you're all talking about when you when you trusted Christ. When I trusted Christ, I was functionally illiterate. And what i mean by that is i really couldn't read very well uh you know it, if i read out loud it would it would take <laughs> a month of sundays to get through a paragraph and um i didn't understand what i was reading and i basically learned how to to read by reading my bible amen and uh, initially it was a tough go i mean i put myself to sleep many a time uh just because i i read so poorly but uh time going on and and uh prayer and and asking God to give me understanding of which normally it I would not have any at all uh things started to make sense and and uh things that I thought i knew uh ended up or really didn't know <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden things started uh the truth really started to come out and what I'm trying to say is that there were there were things that I thought I knew from the Word of God, and they turned out to be false. And all of a sudden, God starts showing truth, and uh, found out that uh, uh, what He wanted me to know, and and uh, I grew and grew and grew, and and uh, for the first time, uh, I started understanding a book that uh, for which I never would have an understanding of. I, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is is that the only book that I really understood at that time was the Bible. Amen. Amen. That's because I read it and uh, kept reading reading it. And, and like Matt said, I kept reading it until I found something I did understand, and it just kept adding on to that.
2: Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, I just think this... I mean the Bible is just so amazing. The more you read it, the more you study it, the more amazing it is and and uh really I mean it just it doesn't lose its its freshness I don't think at all, you know, and and uh one thing also um that I was thinking about too was that it's just, you know, the more you read it, the more you study it, the more you understand. And uh you know, I just think about so many times, you know, I can just give uh so many instances when, you know, I I come up to something I'm like, "Man, I do not understand that at all." And, uh, you know, I kind of get out of concordance and I start kind of running the, you know, the word on it and running the verses for those words and, and just, uh, you know, praying about it. And then maybe like a day or two later, uh, maybe going to church or uh, maybe even listening to some preaching in the car, um, or at home and, uh, and you know, it'd be right that that same verse or that answer, God would just give it to me like maybe in a day or two later, you know and and uh, uh it's just and i've heard that happen to a lot of people you know and the yeah. lord will get you the answers you know if you're ready for it it's just amazing i mean that's that's something somebody that maybe it's not saved or is saved and doesn't ask for for wisdom uh like uh the the verse in james chapter 1 verse 5 was talking about if you don't ask for it uh he's not going to give it to you and uh when you do ask for it and he gives it to you it's just it's just it lights you up even that much more
0: amen well, thanks again, guys, and and for uh, Pastor Strobel for bringing us that uh, that lesson as well. Amen. 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 Well,
1: You're crazy nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like somebody with a bad attitude. <laughs> yeah. like someone said we, we may be nuts, but we screwed in the right bolt. <laughs> yeah, I bet. that's good.
0: And that's what I meant to hit. <laughs> oh, I guess I have to look what I what I reach for next time. That's <laughs> good. Little comic relief brought to you by uh, Dr. Ruckman. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, so uh, who's bringing the next one? Oh. Where, where's the crickets?
2: I guess I guess I could bring it unless Steve, you want to bring it.
1: Well, um, I, I'm game. I mean, we flip a coin if you want. I don't care. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Maybe we cast lots or something like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll figure that out. Between, we'll figure it out. Yeah, between between <laughs> now next and, then. and uh, certainly put something together again. Yeah, yeah but so any plans
1: for the week? Well, I'm going to be going. Uh, uh, a friend of ours, uh, many, many of you might know him, a guy by the name of Pete Wigdor, that has, uh, has worked with uh, a rescue mission here in Buffalo for years and years, has a church started, a Charity Baptist Church, And he's out of town and has asked me to preach for him. So I'm going to be doing Sunday school and and, uh, Sunday morning service. And they have an afternoon service. So I have three messages probably within about four or five hours. So uh, that ought to be fun. Amen. Amen. All righty. Well, well, Lord willing, we'll see everyone
0: back again. And uh, you guys have a good week and press
1: on. Amen. Amen. Coming soon morning or night or noon, many will many will meet dead. their doom. Trumpets,
2: will, Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall
0: rise, righteously in, in the skies. Going where no going where lies. no one dies Heavenward by This has been a production of the That's in the Bible Podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at that's dot com. Or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at seven one six five eight four sixteen eleven. Again, that's seven one six five eight four one six one one. As always, thanks for listening.